Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you were socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist life coach, and you've got episode number 34. Hello, hello, and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Today, I'm sharing my interview with my colleague, Shauna Samuel, who is a feminist executive leadership and productivity coach. She and I met when we were both studying with Carl Lowenthal in the Advanced Certification in Feminist Coaching. She sent me a note a few months ago asking me to come on the podcast and talk about perimenopause in the workplace, and it was an immediate yes for me. This is a topic that I haven't spoken on yet because the truth is that I've just never had a corporate job. In my teen years, I had employment working for small businesses, and I spent a few years in food service but I've never actually had a job that required me to participate in corporate culture. So from what I understand, there are many barriers that women face in corporate workplace that don't even cross the minds of their male counterparts. And some of it's down to physiology, for example, women having babies and how that can impact their careers. But now we're seeing some interesting changes on the horizon that give me so much hope. I've been seeing menstrual leave requirements being implemented in some countries, meaning that if your menstrual cycle is making it so you can't go to work, you have you don't have to use a sick day, you get a menstrual health day, which I think is amazing. And why should perimenopause be excluded from future policies? So in today's conversation with Shauna, we're going to talk about how being in perimenopause can affect things in the workplace. And we're going to talk about how strong emotions can affect our relationships with our colleagues and our superiors, questioning our competence, career choices, and executive presence how to deal with feeling like you're hitting your expiration date, advocating for medical needs in the workplace, and so many other delicious, juicy tangents that we go on. Before I share my interview with Shauna, I want to offer her professional bio. Shauna is an executive leadership and productivity coach for women. She's the founder of The Mental Offload, which specializes in helping women balance demanding jobs, busy family lives without getting overwhelmed by it all. Shauna has led teams across 20 global markets in her professional life and whole an MBA from Yale in addition to the advanced certification in feminist coaching. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Shauna. Welcome Shauna. Thank you so much for being here with us on Perimetopology. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thanks so much, Michelle. I'm really excited to be here and to talk to you too. So just to talk about how we connected with my audience we met during the advanced certification of feminist coaching. And so we have a lot of the same values that we bring to our clients and our audiences that we speak to. And so Shauna, when you reached out and wanted to chat on our podcast about workplace and perimenopause, I thought this is absolutely perfect because I personally have never had a corporate job. So it's not a topic that I feel like I can speak on from an experiential perspective. So I'm so glad that you reached out. So I want to start by just talking about, I'm of course, we're going to get into how you help people and what you do, but I want to mention this interesting viral video that I saw recently. And it was this woman who was on a Zoom call and her, she was in the middle of talking about something. I think she was leading the meeting and she said, okay, I just need a minute. I'm having a hot flash. And I just thought 
that was so beautiful that she just asked for what she needed and felt totally entitled to say, there's something happening in my body. I just need to pause for a minute. And nobody on the video rolled their eyes or made a fuss. It just kind of happened. And I thought, yes, that's exactly where we need to be headed. So I think that that's kind of what I'd like to talk about today. Awesome. I agree. It would be awesome if so many workplaces functioned like that. I love that video. And we'll also talk about what you might do if your workplace isn't functioning quite like that today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're seeing in a lot of other jurisdictions that things and policies are coming into place, like menstrual leave, for example, has come into play in a lot of uh, other places, not a lot of other places, but a few other places where if somebody is unable to do their job related to something menstrually related, I think it's amazing that they don't have to take a sick day. So, you know, another example of things going in the right direction. But before we dive into the conversation, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you help people. Thanks so much. I'd be happy to. So I call myself a feminist leadership coach. And really what I do is at the intersection of life and leadership coaching. So I come at coaching from a 20-year career in financial services where I saw a lot of women trying to climb the corporate ladder and ultimately leaving because they felt overworked, overwhelmed, and overlooked at a certain stage in their career. And my conviction is that if we really want to see gender equality, not just in society, but also in the workplace, we have to equip women to be able to go after their career ambitions in a way that works over the course of their lives. So I opened a coaching practice called the Mental Offload, and that's where I really help women with these kind of issues. Such amazing and important work. Thank you. And it's so great that many of us who come to the coaching world have so many different backgrounds that can inform the work that we're doing. So for example, I probably could coach women on their careers and their executive positions because we all know those basic coaching tenants. But I mean, you're just coming from a wealth of experience and knowledge. So I'm so glad that you're out there doing that important work. Thanks so much, Michelle. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I guess we could zoom out a little bit and have a conversation about hormones in general and being in the workplace. Because, you know, as I have mentioned before on the podcast, if you have female physiology and if you're a person who cycles and menstruates, you automatically have a different body clock. You have a different cycle that your body relates to, which is very different than our 24 hour clock that society functions around, which is based on men's physiology. They get up every day and their body functions in mostly the same way. Whereas if you're a person who cycles and menstruates, you'll have different abilities and strengths and things that you can come to the table with at different parts of your menstrual cycle. And I think that this also speaks to this larger cycle that we have as people who cycle and menstruate, where our strengths and weaknesses and amazing things that we can bring to the table will also change over a lifetime. And so specifically in perimenopause, this is a time in life when we are 
embarking on a lot of change, both through our physiology and then also how we relate to our own worth in life. You know, we're kind of coming out of this box that society deems as most worthy. So I would imagine that a a lot of women in the workplace are kind of coming up to this change and they might kind of be inclined to have a bit of an identity crisis of sorts as they're coming up to this time in their career. So can you talk a little bit about what you see in your clients as it relates to getting older and aging and going through menopause? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are these two competing sets of pressures and expectations that really start to hit women hard as they are approaching and in perimenopause. So the first is, as you know and talk about a lot on the podcast, societal expectations for women (laughs) that your worth starts off really high as you're young and attractive. And as we age, society tells us that our value is going down. And in the workplace, at least when we're talking about people who've been socialized as men or have a male physiology, it's the exact opposite thing that's happening, where their value goes up with their experience, with their competence. Age gives them certain bits of credibility in the workplace. And so women are going into the workplace looking at it as there's this really narrow window of opportunity where you're still socially valuable because you're quote unquote young enough, hot enough, desirable enough. And you also have enough value in your workplace because you have enough experience and competence. That intersection is really narrow. And I think a lot of people, not just my clients, but people in my orbit, kind of look at that window and they see it closing before their eyes. And that can bring up a huge identity crisis and a crisis of confidence as well. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And whether or not it's actually reflected in reality, because I mean, it's my position that as we get older, we actually have more to offer. <laughs> um, but there is the reality that 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 is how society and even a lot of corporations themselves see women as the age and they go through their career. So how do you deal with feeling like you're kind of hitting that expiration date and it's, you know, kind of careening, you're careening towards it faster than you would like? How, how does one deal with that? I'm going to answer that in two ways, because I think there's the way that a lot of people currently deal with it. And then what we know as coaches and can help people to do and think about differently. I'll give, for example, a woman that I know and have worked with in the past, amazing at what she did, but also kind of met all the societal boxes for what would be approval, right? So she was tall and thin and attractive and perfectly quaffed all the time. Also, by the way, a 
total badass at her job and extremely smart. But what I saw in her is that when she was in her, say, mid-30s, she started going really, really hard for promotions. And then in her early 40s, had this kind of crisis of confidence. And she ended up taking a step back, even though she was probably in the leadership pipeline for some really senior roles at some big organizations. It was like she could no longer see herself there because of what she was experiencing in the workplace. You know, like she used to go into meetings and all eyes would be on her. They would be looking to her for answers and taking her seriously. And then she suddenly found herself, you know, early 40s, going into those same rooms and getting challenged, not getting the same kind of feedback that she used to get, getting pushback from her colleagues that before she had easily influenced. And I think she wasn't really sure, like, is this them? Is this me and my performance? Where does that leave me? And so I think a lot of women end up kind of choosing to step out of their current role or current organization because they end up internalizing this crisis of confidence and thinking it's them. I can see how that would be totally understandable to make that choice. And at the same time, how do we question it and advocate for something different? So I think that's such a good question because as women and as a society, there isn't necessarily the level of understanding that I think there needs to be around perimenopause. So sometimes you're in a meeting and all that you know is that you are having a physical sensation of some sort and you're thinking, what's wrong with me? <laughs> is this just a headache or do I have a serious problem? Am I sweating because I'm really, really nervous and can't handle the pressure of being on stage? Or am I having a hot flash? And so women start to kind of pathologize what's going on, partially due to a lack of understanding of what could be happening. So I think one of the things that we need to do, one of the reasons why this podcast is so important, is we have to start by educating ourselves about what is going on, what we can expect as we go into this period, and then making some plans for how we want to deal with it. I really recommend kind of splitting this into two ways of thinking about it, starting with like, are we in it or do we need to be working on it? And let me explain what I mean by that. So when you're in it, it's like you are in a presentation or you are in your day-to-day and you notice that something is going on that is different. Maybe it's a hot flash. Maybe it's brain fog. Maybe it's a headache. But when you're in it, I think one of the least helpful things that we can do is start asking ourselves the big questions of like, what's going on with me? Do I have a big problem? How am I going to get through this? And really turn toward 
what can I do? What do I need right now in order to operate at my best? And sometimes that's like really even asking like, what would a mediocre man do in my situation? <laughs> like, oh, if he's feeling hot, he probably takes off his jacket and continues the presentation with his jacket on the back of the chair. Like, that's okay. So when you're in it, I think the only thing that we really need to focus on is what do I need right now to operate my best given what I'm experiencing? And then later, we can take that step back and start to work on the problem. So whether that be education or getting medical assessment, I also think we need to do some strategic thinking to think about how do I want to approach this phase of my career given what is going on with me physically, mentally, in terms of my symptoms so that I can operate at my best over the long term? So important. And I love that so much because you kind of leave it a little bit open-ended because it's going to be such a highly individual way of thinking about it. And the path to how you solve that or even how you answer those questions is going to be based on so many individual factors. And of course, it'll be based on the kind of company that you're working for. But I like your point that when you're in it and actually experiencing some kind of symptom or discomfort that might take you out of that ability or best ability to problem solve, it's more about, okay, how do I just get through this moment? And maybe at a later time when things aren't so heightened, then I can ask myself those bigger questions of what is possible here? What I will, what do I need to advocate for? How do I see things unfolding long-term? And I talk about that in the same way that you would deal with less physiological symptoms. So for example, something that comes up for a lot of women in perimenopause and people who cycle and menstruate and experience perimenopause is this idea of a lot of big feelings coming up. So big feelings that are as a re- that are a result of so many different things ranging from hormones and being purely physiological all the way through to this identity crisis that we were talking about earlier and it's all in this big soup of things mushing together and creating again some pretty big emotions and feelings and so i love that idea of okay if you're having some heightened feelings or emotions right now what do you need in the moment to basically kind of survive this particular context that you're in right now versus Later, when you're feeling a little bit less emotional, how can you step back and ask yourself the bigger questions of how do I want to show up to this experience that is largely out of my control and pretty much inevitable? We're all going to age. We're all going to go through perimenopause. So tell me about your thoughts about that, the emotional side of things. Yeah, I love what you were mentioning about some of the big feelings that come up because I think sometimes we first perceive the physical side of things, especially if we're like in a corporate environment that really values emotional containment, we may not notice some of the emotional sides of things immediately. But what I've seen is that big feelings tend to lead to three things that come up in the workplace in perimenopause. So the first is 
conflict with our colleagues <laughs> or perceived conflict with our colleagues. So, you know, we might be presenting work in a meeting, for example, and it's not necessarily received the same way, or we feel it's not being received the way it usually is. So we start to enter into conflictual dialogues with our colleagues because we're like, what's going on here? (laughs) We start pushing against them or we think they're against us in some way. So there's the conflict with our colleagues that can come up as a response to or our way of interpreting a feeling that we're experiencing in the meeting room. The second thing that I think comes up in terms of big feelings is around our confidence, especially when we're perceiving that there is more emotional swirl. We can really take a knock to our confidence in the workplace about how we're doing, about how others feel about us, about what our value is to the organization. So all of these things can really hit our confidence pretty hard. And if we're not taking care of some of those emotions, if we aren't aware of them and if we aren't managing them, then this tends to impact our careers. Because what happens is either we start to feel like we might not be cut out for this anymore. (laughs) And then we take ourselves out of the career game. Or what some new research is finding is that women are cutting back on some of their work hours or actually getting laid off or bad performance reviews, partially because of what they are experiencing and that sort of lack of confidence and the emotions that are coming up in the workplace. So I think it does have some really concrete effects and we need to manage it carefully. So this may be a giant question that is too long or too broad (laughs) to answer in one podcast episode. But let me ask you this way. What would one kind of piece of advice be to get started on dismantling that because of course an individual's own context is really important so for example i'm sure that there will be workplaces that are just organically more open to hearing feedback about this or having an open dialogue about this versus other organizations that wouldn't be so open to that so if somebody's just kind of dipping their toe in the water of navigating this what would you recommend as a first step to them when you say when someone's starting to dip a toe into the the water, do you mean more like they're starting to experience some of this in the workplace? Or do you mean like they want to start to advocate for themselves in the workplace? Let's say they're hearing this episode and they're like, oh, that's a thing that might happen in my life. What would you recommend that they do first? So one concept that I love, and I take this from a coach by the name of Brig Johnson. She has this concept called the preparedness protocol. And 
what that really means is like, if you are anticipating that something's going to come up for you, might not know the exact flavor, but you can start to develop a plan for yourself of if this happens, here's how I'm going to respond. And I love that because it really empowers us as women in the workplace to say, look, if I start to notice this, if I start to have questions about how I'm being treated, or if I start to notice physical symptoms of perimenopause, here's what I'm going to do. And I think for me, (laughs) just writing that down is already a great step. But if you want to take it one step further, I would say it's really important to know that you are not alone in this. And so seeking out community and connection, whether that be from your colleagues, whether that be from women in your friend circle, whether that be from outside people like a coach or mentor, any of these is great for building that connection so that you know it's not you and you're not alone in this. Thank you so much. I think that that's a really important point that community can be such a powerful way to change or at least begin to change the way that someone is thinking about this process. And I talk about that in my work as well, in that I come from that perspective of, hey, let's actually talk about what's going on in our bodies, because that just makes it more normal, more expected, more just part of a normal physiological process, more of a normal stage of life. If you see an entire community of people going through perimenopause and having similar things happen, then it can just help you take a breath and step back and look at the normalcy of the whole thing, even though we're told by society that there's something wrong with us if this type of thing is happening or that we're expiring or that we're not going to be as valuable. A hundred percent. And I think that one of the things I, I would just build on there is this idea that when we see that it is normal, that it's happening to other people, I think it lets us take so much of the self-judgment and self-criticism out of it. So we're not like, oh, why, why am I reacting this way? Or what's going on with me? It's just part of a normal process that happens to multiple people. And I think it's so important that we also continually remind ourselves that even though society wants to tell us that we're expiring, (laughs) we can keep looking outside for examples of where that's not true. I love that so much. Thank you for saying that. So I wanted to talk next a little bit about specifically advocating for medical needs in the workplace. There are times when it might be a little bit more or beyond just changing the way you're thinking about something. And you might actually need to ask for some allowances or a different policy or an exemption or an exception. So do you have any advice for people who actually need to ask for something different because of medical needs? Yeah. So my advice is that 
you really need to know your rights, know your culture, and know yourself. And what I mean by that, so starting with know your rights, I would not expect your HR department, if you have one, to be educated on this and know what is available for you. I think that um, it's great if they do, but I wouldn't go in expecting them to know that. So I really start by knowing your own rights. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on the (laughs) jurisdiction that you live in, there's a lot of range to what kind of accommodations are legally available. So if you're sitting in the UK or Canada or the US, your options are going to look a little bit different. In some US organizations, you might be eligible for what's called FMLA, Family and Medical Leave Act. And in other organizations, no. So it's really important to do that homework and know your rights going into a conversation with your workplace. The second thing is to know your culture. And by this, I mean the organizational culture. There are some organizations where you've got a really good working relationship with your boss or your leadership. It's a very open environment. And transparency about what you're experiencing and what you need might be absolutely fine. But I encourage you to really think about, is transparency going to harm my reputation or my future at this company based on what I know? And unfortunately, there are some organizations where I advise women, you might not want to be fully transparent about why you're seeking certain accommodations. So Some really good language that you can use if you're not sure yet is just to sit down with your leader and say something like, I'm currently experiencing a medical issue that I'm working through with my doctors. And as I learn more about what I need, I'm going to come into you and potentially ask for some accommodations. And I'd make that language a little bit vague. I'd call it potentially a medical issue depending on your organization. What you don't want to say are things like, I'm having a cognitive issue or this is impacting my work in this way. You don't want to necessarily open the conversation in that way until you know exactly what your rights are and what your provider recommends for treatment because Again, this can have blowback on women in ways that we might not want. So that's the second piece, really knowing your organizational culture. And then the third is knowing yourself. So each of us is going to experience perimenopause in a different way. And and as you talked about at the start of the episode, this might also change week by week. And So I think it's really important for us to give ourselves permission to be like, this is how I work best. And this is going to help me right now. So if, for example, you know that you tend to experience more brain fog than you did before, that might change how you want to 
set up your meeting load during the course of a day. Again, some of this depends on your workplace and the type of work that you do because unfortunately, not all women work in environments where they have full control over their schedule and their tasks. But to the extent that you know yourself, you know what you need, and you attempt to control what you can control within your day, I think that can be hugely helpful for accommodating yourself, even if your workplace is reluctant at meeting you where you need to be. Thank you so much for all of that. I know that that's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. And just to play, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but I have another question I want to ask you, which is, I think what I sense might come up for a lot of people who are in this position that they might need to advocate when they hadn't needed to advocate before is this idea of, I don't want to bother people. I don't want to inconvenience my colleagues. I don't want to, I don't want others to feel put upon. How would you respond to those ideas? This is such a big one, right? especially if you've been socialized as a woman, this idea that we should make everyone else comfortable before we get to be comfortable. And the way that I respond to that is by thinking what really is going to be helpful, both for your employer and for you, is for you to be able to show up and do your best work in the conditions that help you do it. So I think that there's a sense in which kind of looking at the longer term, what are we here to do? We're here to do our best work and to add value hopefully for our employer as well. And the way that we can do that more effectively is by having some of these conversations. And isn't that what our employers ultimately want. It's like they want us to be able to do our best work and to be able to do it well. So even though I think there is a lot to be gained by pushing back on the ideal worker concept and by strongly advocating for ourselves, I think if we just want to take that first step of maybe shifting the mindset to be like, what's good for my employer and for me, what's a win-win for both of us can help us have some of those slightly uncomfortable conversations when we've been socialized as women. Oh, good. Thank you for answering that question so beautifully. And also just to add to that a little bit, I like this concept of at the end of the day, we can't actually control what people are going to think and feel about us. We have no idea how somebody's going to choose to react to us making a particular decision or advocating for a particular need. And so the idea that we can make a particular choice to make somebody feel a certain way isn't a worthwhile pursuit, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're spot on because it's true, right? We can't control how others are are going to feel about us. In fact, there are might be some people who judge us for not speaking up in some contexts. So no matter what we do, we can't avoid judgments and we can't control those judgments. What we can control is showing up in the way that helps us be our most successful and continuing to kind of push the limits of 
our comfort, even as perimenopause and some of our symptoms might already be pushing us to the limits of our comfort. That was such a beautiful way of ending this conversation. Thank you so much. So I know that there are going to be people out here listening that want to find and follow and work with you. So please tell us all the places that we can get in touch with you. Well, I would love to connect with folks over on Instagram. So I'm at mental underscore offload on Instagram, and I'm very active there. So come on over and say hello on Instagram. And also, I highly recommend one of the things that I put out for women in the workplace is a short course on how to develop better boundaries with your time. Because this is something that at every stage we can all use some work on. So people can go to my website to get that mini course. It's www.thementaloffload.com slash T-M-O mini. T is in the, M is in mental, O is in offload mini. So good. And of course, I will make sure I provide all of those links in the show notes so people can find them and click them easily. Shauna, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your amazing wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for this really amazing conversation. I really hope that this helps so many people. I think it definitely will. I can almost guarantee it. So that was my interview with Shauna. If you resonated with our conversation, please find and follow her. I'll link all of that up in the show notes. That's it for me this week. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you're a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person, to help you find a unique and customized treatment plan to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms and get you the relief that you deserve using Chinese medicine. Or if you're looking for support with body image, confidence, advocating for yourself and seeking treatment, or just generally making your life as awesome as possible through this transition and beyond, I can help you anywhere in the world for coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapler.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.